it can happen that when it comes to us living the faith, when it comes to us following Christ, we can see our role as somewhat passive. So basically, uh, Jesus does all the, the heavy lifting, Jesus does all the work, we get all the benefits, and then we go to heaven. So we have very little to do with, uh, with God's mission or with, you know, with, with redemption or with the life of the church or anything. It kind of, we kind of, kind of over-spiritualize these things. So it's basically Jesus who does everything. Now that's true in part. That's partially true in that, yes, all the grace necessary for our, our sacramental life, all the grace necessary uh, for every aspect of our lives was won by Jesus on the cross all alone, did it by himself, absolutely. But in today's uh, first reading from the prophet Ezekiel, we hear something which uh, seems a, a small bit, a small bit odd. I'm not sure if, if, if you noticed kind of the, almost the problem with this analogy. Uh, well, it looks like a, a problem. So basically, we have the temple in Jerusalem, and from the temple, after a thousand cubits, cubit is from the elbow to the top of the finger, so it's a fairly inaccurate uh, measurement because. I mean, the size of some of you and the size of others, I mean, sure. Okay, that's a cubit anyway. Uh, so a thousand, thousand cubits, it's um, you know, up to your ankles, another thousand cubits up to your knees, another thousand cubits up to your waist, another thousand cubits, massive river that you can't cross. What's the problem with this analogy, though? Surely, surely, the river should be deepest at the source. As in, like, the temple is where everything is coming from. So surely that's where the river should be the biggest, because it's coming from the temple. Everything comes from the temple. Everything comes from God. And then as it kind of spreads out into the world, it should be getting kind of, you know, thinner. It's like, 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 the, like the stove, right? Or the sun. The stove is probably a more, uh, uh, an, an, uh, an idea that we understand a little better here. Uh, because sometimes when we light the stove in the evening, there are three or four exceptionally selfish people who just stand in front of the stove and take all the heat. I know. Uh, but, you know, the, 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 the stove is hottest the closer you are to it, because that's the source, and then the further away you get from the stove, like if you're two or three chairs away, you get nothing at all. But it doesn't matter, because we love everybody. So, so you know, because obviously the further you get away from it, the more the heat is diluted, the more the heat is kind of lost. The heat is most intense at the source. Think of the sun, same idea. The closer you, are, you get to the sun, the closer you get to the sun, the more you get um, incinerated. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the source should be the most intense, the most the deepest, the biggest, the warmest, the hottest, whatever it may be, the source is, is, is uh, the temple. So why is this, the, the stream the, the shallowest there? How can it be that the stream gets deeper the further you go from the temple? Anyone, anyone else spot that? Maybe it's just me, I don't know. Uh, I, just, I think that's it. It's, it's, because again, if this is the analogy, this is the idea, this is the dream, the vision that Ezekiel sees, there's a reason for it. And, and the reason for that is, is us. Uh, the source is the temple. Everything we need comes from God, absolutely. <clears throat> and yet, he asks you and I to, to bring that message out, to make that message visible in the world through our actions, through our prayer, through our lives. So even in Jesus' own life, Jesus was one man, one incredible man, one one God man, uh, and yet afterwards, like he, he sends out the apostles, and, and the scripture has no problem <coughs> saying this. <coughs> in the Acts of the Apostles, for example, <coughs> where 
after the, Jesus' passion, death, resurrection, and his, his ascension, when the apostles go out and start preaching and teaching and baptizing, they baptize and convert more people than Jesus did. Now, again, this isn't that they're more powerful than Jesus. Jesus is the source of it all. But they're working through Jesus' power, but they're baptizing more people than he did. Well, he didn't baptize, but you see, see what I mean. I mean, they, they, they make his mission visible and, and, and tangible and, and spread it out in multiple places uh, simultaneously, all through the power of Christ, but it's, it's still his mission. He's still the source, but as the mission spreads, the river starts getting wider and deeper, even though it still has one unique source. You know, so I think that's really important for us um, as, uh, as Christians, as Catholics, to recognize that this missionary impetus, this, 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 this missionary call, is for all of us, every single one of us. And we're called to bear fruit. We're called to, to, to draw others in. We're called to witness to this faith, this gift that we have received. We're called to be disciples and to disciple others. This is essential to the Christian faith, to, to our Catholic faith, not an optional extra. We're supposed to go and bear fruit. And so that, that's how then, that even though our faith has one unique source, it's, as it spreads throughout the world, rather than getting dissipated and becoming less and less, it's supposed to actually become more and more intense because now there are more and more people witnessing to this faith, witnessing to this relationship with the Lord. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful reality, or it should be a reality, in our life and in our church. We're supposed to bear fruit. <clears throat> when it comes to, to fruit bearing, especially <clears throat> this season of, of Lent, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, uh, I'm sure all of us see every now and again, or maybe consistently, that there is fruit on our tree that should not be there. There is fruit on our tree that's already mouldy, um, worm infested. There's fruit on our tree that's sour. There's fruit on our tree which um, is too small to be useful. Just little conkers or some, you know, horse chestnuts. People eat them, don't, don't they? No, they're not poisonous. Okay, Poisonous, we might have fruit on our tree that's poisonous, actually. Okay, so we, we have this, this tree, right? And then maybe there's, there's good fruit there too. You're not all bad. Right? There's good fruit there too. But we do see there's fruit in our tree which isn't great. Fruit on our tree which needs, needs to be pruned back. Uh, or just plucked off. The, 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 the issue is that just plucking off or taking off the, the bad fruit doesn't necessarily fix the problem. And this is where, where Lent comes in where the Lord doesn't want to just do a kind of a, a superficial kind of pulling off the bad fruit. Maybe he wants to go a bit deeper. Maybe the bad fruit is from a bad branch. Uh, and maybe a whole branch has to come off, you know, because the whole branch has, has a, you know, the trees get all sorts of diseases that I know nothing about, but even get kind of tumors, these big bulbous things which suck all the life out of the branch and then the whole branch starts to, to wilt and then the fruit becomes sour because it's not getting any sap. I think maybe I'm making all this up, but <laughs> I I do see I don't know I don't know I, okay I'm no expert. Email me, correct me if I'm wrong. I think but you know how it works. Uh, so so then maybe the Lord, in order to make this 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 branch bear fruit or bear good fruit, has to actually cut it off so that it can regrow again and regrow good, healthy. But this is where the idea of of, of pruning during Lent, when it actually 
affects my life can be much more difficult than it seems or, or the Lord in his efforts to prune might experience <clears throat> much more resistance from me than I would have thought. Because again, if our faith is just us benefiting from everything that Jesus did and walking happily along, merrily along to, to, to heaven without actually having to do anything, then the idea of having to be a missionary, the idea of having to be pruned, these ideas are uncomfortable. Because now you have to actually do something. Now you have to actually change your behavior, the way you live, <coughs> because of our faith. It may also be then that, that it's not just the fruit that's the problem or maybe the branch that it's attached to. It's like the bog down in the valley. Maybe it's the, maybe it's, maybe it's the root. Maybe there's, there's a root in there somewhere that's tapping into some sewage and pulling up stuff that it shouldn't be. That's poisoning the tree. So maybe some of the roots actually have to go. That's a much more difficult job. That's much more invasive. It involves a lot more digging. And for the tree, I can imagine it's quite disturbing to have some of your roots dug up. Generally, it's not even done, to be honest. If a, if a tree, if a, a real-life tree in a garden has root problems, you just cut it out. But maybe this is like also some, something else that Jesus is trying to do, trying to, trying to heal a root so that the trunk is strong, so that the branch is strong, so that the fruit is good. Does Jesus have permission in my life to do that? Does he, honestly, though? If he wanted to change something fundamentally in my life, would I actually let him? If there was something in my heart, maybe there's something we might look into a bit over, over the next couple of days, if there was something that he, that he wanted to, to root out, would I let him? It will quite likely be uncomfortable, to say the least, but say I rely too much on myself. Say I rely too much on my abilities. Say I rely too much on my family name or on wealth or on my appearance or on my education. Say, say I rely too much on me. And the Lord kind of wants to cut that out because that's very, very dangerous to the soul. Very, self-reliance is very dangerous to the soul. We must learn to rely on God. We work with him, yes, with all of our abilities, but we rely on him. If the Lord then wants to cut out that self-reliance, that could be quite painful. Because how do you want to do that? By allowing a person to experience their weakness. And that, that can hurt. For the good of the soul, it's pruning, it's good for you. But not easy. Does the Lord have permission? I mean, it's, 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 it's so easy to say, Jesus, I trust in you. But I, if you say, <laughs> say, Jesus, I trust in you, and I trust you as the divine, the divine vine dresser, I trust you to prune me. I think that's a wonderful prayer. And I think it's, a, I think it's a, for all of us. Like just, I, just, I just don't think we have time to mess around anymore as regards spiritual life. There just isn't time anymore. Uh, maybe I'm getting old, but there just isn't time anymore for messing around. If we want the Lord, if we want to really grow in the faith, let let us let the Lord be God. Let him let us let God be God. Let God do His thing. Let God work. Let God prune you, and let's just get on with it. Let's get on with becoming the saints that He's calling us to be now, because it just isn't time.
<coughs> for waiting around anymore. <coughs> Lord Jesus, we wish to be your hands and your feet. And as we leave the temple, we wish to be sources of light, sources of life-giving water to those that we meet. That wherever we go, life may teem. Everything that flows from us, fish will be plentiful. Wherever water goes, it brings health and life. Lord, help us to be those tributaries, those sources of life and light, those sources of life-giving water. It all comes from you, Lord, but help us to not get in the way. Help us to give you permission today to prune anything from our lives that is not of you. We give you permission, Lord, to remove the bad fruit, but we also give you permission to remove and prune the bad branches. And Lord, even if there are bad roots, we give you permission to heal them. Lord Jesus, you know what you're doing, and we trust in you. Amen. So dear brothers and sisters, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you all for joining us on YouTube or on Paving the Way Home or on Spotify, wherever you've listened to these homilies. Thank you so much for being part of our mission and for continuing to support our mission. It was a great gift that during lockdown uh, we could branch out or broaden uh, our, our outreach so much uh, through technology. So it was, that's been a wonderful privilege and honour. Uh, I'd ask two things, if I may. <clears throat> One, that we'd really appreciate your prayers for our mission. So we have our young people here with us this year. And then there are also, there's a youth ministry, family ministry, and hopefully in the near future, men's ministry, which we hope to engage in. So we'll ask for your prayers for uh, all of those outreaches. And if you feel that the Lord is calling you to support us also financially, uh, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, running a place like this is is not cheap and uh, we do need uh, benefactors help to, to keep the show on the road and to keep our doors open and to keep this place of formation uh, alive for uh, the young people that come to us. We have opened our applications for next year as well. So if you know anybody who might like to apply, they can do so through our website, holyfamilymission.ie. And also, if you'd like to make any donations, you can do so through our website, holyfamilymission.ie, or send us an email if you'd like to uh, arrange some other form of donation. But we would be greatly, greatly appreciative of any support that you can give us uh, through your prayer and through your financial support. All right. So God bless, and we're praying for you here in Holy Family.